Some of you are so vain that you probably think this series is about you. Let me ask you a question today. If I had been your pastor for over one year, would you raise your hand? Awesome. If I'd been your pastor for over two years, five years, all right, the five-year people know the Gary I'm about to tell you about. The one or two-year people maybe haven't seen that Gary. Just for craps and giggles, how many of you, I've been your pastor for like over 10 years. Man, these, this is the frozen chosen five, four or five over here. Gluttons for punishment. So let me, the hurt teed. I think, though, probably I would assume, I don't know who would be between the Owens and the Schneiders, number one. They were back in the old middle school days. Ashley, were you in the middle school days? Dang, y'all are OGs, baby. OG. Let me confess something to you. For years, the running joke in my life was, I'm a pastor, but I hate people. I used to say it all the time. I hate people. I used to always joke, I used to always say, man, pastoring would be the greatest job in the world if I didn't have to preach or deal with people. And it just kind of became that thing. It, it would always get laughs out of people, and I would always joke about it. And just more and more, I would say, man, I just hate people. Now, the reality was my life proved that I didn't hate people. I had devoted my life to helping people. But to get a few laughs, I would always go around and make the comment, I hate people. And that's a real broad statement. And a funny thing happened. The more I said that I hate people, the more I started to hate people. I never got in ministry because I hated people. When I started joking that I hated people and got cheap laughs, because that's what fat people do, we, we make jokes that deflect from us, you know. I never hated people. But over time, in ministry, it's a weird thing. In ministry, you see the best of people, and you see the worst of people. And nine times out of ten, those that you see the best in, you will eventually see the worst in, and the worst will be directed towards you. Let me give you ministry one-on-one. Those that you help the most will stab you in the back the most. That's just the way it goes. I got to the point even a few summers ago, I would say it's about three summers ago, where I was seeing some of the worst in people I'd ever seen. To the point that I hated people so bad, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to show up here on Sunday mornings. I would come in, go to my office, walk backstage, come out, do my thing, go home. I hated people with a passion. All of those years of joking that I hated people, and suddenly, I feel like I hate people. And reality hit me when my two teenage kids, my two oldest children, got to the point in their life where every time we would do any kind of function, 
there'd be an attitude about them going. I'd be like, what's your deal? Just hate people. Be a family thing. I, I, just, I just hate being around people. And I knew that I was at a point in my life where I hated people. But I hated the way hating people made me feel. I hated the person that I saw when I looked in the mirror. I hated that I couldn't stand to be around people. And when you realize you're passing your junk down to your kids, it's real eye-opening. All those years of joking. (laughs) I wanted them growing up seeing the best in people, not the worst in people. But the Bible talks a lot about our mindset and what we believe and what we say manifests itself into becoming reality. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I hate people. I'm miserable. Life sucks. And eventually you're miserable. Life sucks. And you really, truly hate people. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I hate people because my heart was full of the fact that I hated people. (laughs) The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, The tongue has the power of life and death. What you speak out of your mouth literally has the ability to build other people up or tear them down. But more importantly, it literally has the power to destroy you or build you up. You can look at every situation and go to the extreme that it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It's the most negative thing that's ever happened to you. Oh my God, your life is falling apart. Or you can step back and look at what's happening to you and you can look at it and laugh about it and joke about it. And it's amazing how you handle a situation and what comes out of your mouth literally builds you up or it tears you down. I've recently in my life had the fortune of being around, I I don't... if you're not a wrestling fan, you might not know who this person is, but does anybody remember Diamond Dallas Page DDP? So, probably the most positive human being I've ever, to the point you're like, what a fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, but I've been around him a lot lately, and it's always positivity, no matter what the scenario, no matter what the situation, and what comes out of his mouth. And I finally have come to the conclusion, man, he's, he's, he's eating, or he's smoking, excuse me, what he's selling. He buys into it, and he's transformed his life, and it's amazing watching somebody do that. There's nothing that's ever negative that comes out of his mouth. It's always positive. I imagine it's even positive when he doesn't feel positive because the tongue has the power of life and death. And what I had done in my life, I showed you all these verses. Here's the deal. As I was thinking in my heart, I hate people. As my mouth is speaking, what my heart's full of, I hate people. As what's coming out of my mouth, I hate people. You can't speak negative connotations and it not begin to affect you. So I went from someone who got in ministry because I loved people, got a cheap laugh one day when I said I hate people, Continued to say I hate people. So when things went wrong in my life and crappy people were in my life and I'm focused on the fact that I hate people instead of I hate these individuals, 
My life became this anxiety-driven life, this angry life, this stress-filled life where I couldn't stand to be around people. Now, here's the deal with hating people. Here's the deal with saying I hate people. We live in a day and time where it's just kind of a new thing. I, I hear it all the time. I think that we have access to people more than ever. Social media. We see the inner workings of people. We see their religious views and their political views and their marital views and all these different things that just drive us crazy because, man, they don't think exactly like we do or cross their T's like we do or dot their I's like we do or all the things that we think they ought to do. So we swipe in broad strokes and say, I hate people. Let me make this as clear to you as possible. Something that God began to work in my life almost two or three years ago as I heard my kids say they hate people. It is impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible to live the Christian life and live the life you were created for and go around saying you hate people. There is literally nothing more contrary to the word of God and what we're supposed to do as Christ followers than the statement, I hate people. The Bible says this in Matthew 26, Teacher, this is a guy who's trying to trip Jesus up. Jesus is out teaching. He said, he said, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He says, the most important thing you can do is give God everything that you are. Give him your love emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally. He says, hey, the greatest thing you can do with your life is love God. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he comes back and says, and the second is just like it. The second is just like what? The first one. He doesn't say there's commandment number one and commandment number two. Listen, there's commandment number one A and commandment one B. They're one and the same. And the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. It is impossible to live the Christian life with the mindset that you hate people because we're left on this earth to do two things and do two things only love God and love people what's amazing if I went on and broke down this story some more he says love your neighbor and a guy comes along and says hey man who is my neighbor and that's when he goes into the story of the good Samaritan the good Samaritan comes along the road the religious leader passed the guy by the, the Jewish guy by the, uh, the religious leaders of the day the priest of the day everyone passed him by and here's this Samaritan who was supposed to hate this person and he stops and he helps this person your neighbor is not someone who looks like you your neighbor is not someone who acts like you your neighbor is not someone who believes like you your neighbor's not someone that you think you can get along and comes from your tribe and does your thing and hangs out in your clique listen we are to love God and we're to love people and there's no questions asked about that there's no buts added to that there's no maybe we shouldn't to that now make no mistake about it don't confuse love and don't confuse liking a lot of people I don't like some of you out there today and if you're wondering if it's you it might be But we're commanded to love people. So how contrary I was living my life 
probably some of the darkest days of my life because I wasn't doing what God's told me to do. Preachers love to get up and complicate this book. And here's all the list of things you got to do and don't do and dress like this and drink this and eat this and do. At the end of the day, here's what it boils down to. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Yet we live our life going around, and we're all guilty of it, of saying, I hate people. <laughs> we have to realize something if we're going to get past this statement. We need to, first of all, quit, quit swiping in broad statements. We have to realize that we don't hate people. We hate certain people. We need to get that down to dislike certain people based on their actions. And that's okay. The Bible also says we're to live at peace with it as much as it depends on us. There's going to be people in life you cannot live at peace with. One of the most godly things you can do is realize I can't live at peace with this person and learn this amazing concept called boundaries. And we're going to get into that today. We need to get to the point in our life where we understand that in order not to hate people, we put the boundaries up in our life where their actions have no longer had the ability to affect us or affect us to the extreme that we use statements like I hate. Over the next month, we're going to look at some of the qualities that we hate in people. We're going to be talking about how we deal with certain types of people. And we're going to learn how to biblically deal with those people. It's hard to love people that you don't like when you've not put principles in place to deal with. We're going to be talking about how you deal with hypocritical people. I can't stand a hypocrite. We're going to talk about how you deal with needy people. Because mm. needy people can be like leeches and suck you dry if you don't learn the principles to deal with them. We're going to learn how to Deal with people who manipulate you. But today we're going to deal with, how do we deal with controlling people? See, here's the problem. We don't hate people. We hate certain aspects of people. Therefore, we've got to identify what it is we hate about that person and what boundaries can we put in place where that person can no longer affect us. And some of the greatest boundaries, some of you all learned, this ain't even spiritual, it ain't even in the sermon, is there's this amazing thing on your phone, on your Facebook app called Block. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> Let me look out here see if there's any kids. But I want to see whose kids it is. Because certain kids ain't going to be offended by it. Someone sent me a message about someone today. I said, oh, that's cool. Let me go block them. I'm in a situation where I'm blocking a lot of people lately. Because a lot of people are affecting me. And I've always wanted to have a trending hashtag. So I invented hashtag block a bitch today. I expect it to trend worldwide by the end of the weekend. 
dang close. Let's dive right in before we get in more trouble. I wonder how many of you'd be honest today and say you deal with someone in your life who's a control freak. Control freak, control freak, control freak. If the person next to you pulled your hand down, they're probably the control freak. Thank you for being honest. Control freaks. We've got those people in our life. Brad, did you raise your hand? Uh-huh. The reality is, some of us have really been hurt by people who think or attempt or try to control us. We've had someone in our life who was maybe an authority role in our life, and they were abusive and they hurt us. A lot of times, people who try to control us are not even trying to be malicious when they do it. Sometimes they're just needy. Sometimes they're just insecure. Sometimes they're just hurting people who are trying to get us to do what they wish they could do because they think that they're helping us. And they try to control us. These people can literally be an emotional black hole. We pour into them. And no matter what we do, it's never enough. No matter what you give them, they want more. They're those type of people that if you give them an inch, they take a mile. They crave it. If they don't get what they want, they'll pout. They'll stomp. They'll whine. They'll complain. They'll give you the silent treatment. They'll walk away. They're those type of people that when you're around them, you feel like you're walking on eggshells because you don't want to set them off. I don't know that I've ever preached a message with more nervous laughter than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> if you're thinking about someone right now, just think about them. Don't point at them. And don't you point at me. I'm preaching. That'd make this message much, much more difficult. Let's start by building a foundation. Those who try to control you control you in two ways. They only have two weapons they can use. The first one, they can use threats. Threats manifest themselves in, in different ways, in some form or fashion. They say it or they imply it, but you better do this or you'll regret it. You better perform or you're going to be punished. A lot of times this is how our bosses in the secular world control us. If you don't do what I want in this form, in this fashion, you're going to pay for this. They'll use threats against you. Your boyfriend, I'll break up with you if you don't do this. Your boss, he terrifies you and makes you feel like you'll lose your job if you don't do that or do this. They're trying to control you. And they also can use guilt. Guilt. After all I've done for you, you won't do this one thing for me? I thought we were friends. And you won't do this? Mm, this is my favorite one, especially as a pastor. You call yourself a Christian? 
and I can't even get you to help me for the 972nd time with the same exact issue that I'm never going to get a grip on because I refuse to look myself in the mirror and realize that I'm the problem and not everyone else. Oh, sorry, I got on a tangent there. Sorry. How about, how about your relative? You never call me. Oh, let me... Oh, my phone takes calls too. Works both ways. You're just too busy for me. <laughs> you just don't love me. I could be dead for two weeks and no one would even notice. They try to guilt you and make you feel bad. What they're trying to do is control you. They threaten you. They control you. They try to play on your emotions to get you to do what they want you to do. So the question becomes, how do we, as those who have chosen to live the life that Christ lived, to follow in the teachings of Jesus, how do we love those people who intentionally or unintentionally try to control and manipulate us? Here's the key. You've got to learn what to do. Because if you don't learn what to do, those controlling people in your life, you will grow to literally hate them. And here's what happens when, I, when we open our heart up to hate one individual. It swipes into broad strokes that we hate all people. One person's giving me hell, but I hate all people. I don't like all the people around me. Why? So I don't like the 99 people who love me and are encouraging me. I put, have I told you Gary Lamb King of this? I struggled with this for years. And then we pass it down to our kids. My wife had to confront me about it with my two oldest. She said, here's the deal. I wasn't here to raise the two oldest. The two youngest aren't going to grow up like that. Okay. She tried to threaten me, guilt me, control me. I'm just kidding. But she was right. I don't want to pass that down to them. Why, like, do we not realize that we pass our baggage down? The things we hate that we deal with, we pass it down to our kids and they hate it? Man, I, I'm, I'm the king of that, especially in Luke's life, man. I pass so much junk down to him. I'm an anxiety person. He's anxiety-driven. She's like, yeah, it's because of you. you know? <laughs> what I want to do is I want to show you a story in the Bible, in the book of Matthew. It involves Jesus. It involves one of his disciples, Peter. Peter was, I haven't preached on Peter enough. Peter was, Peter would have fit in really good at Action Church. I mean, Peter was hardcore. He was the right hand dude to Jesus, but man, he cut a dude's ear off. He cussed people out, lost his temper, was a hothead, thought, thought he could control Jesus. <laughs> Jesus in this text is very clearly explaining that he must do the will of God. Meaning, I'm born to be crucified to give my life. The time has come for me to pay for the sins of the world and give my life on the cross. And he's telling the disciples this, and Peter just loses it. And he's like, that, that's not going to happen. No. You're not about to give your life... And Peter, I don't think he was intentionally trying to get Jesus off course, but he's thinking out, because here's what controlling people they look out for number one. 
I think Peter's like, I got it pretty good here following Jesus. I roll up into town as the posse with JC, man, and people know who I am. Oh, wait a minute. You kind of protect us. You know, that whole raising people from the dead, man. We always got wine because even when there's water, you turn it into wine. It's always a party. Like, where, where are you going? Nah, that ain't going to work for me. I think he knew once Jesus was saying he, he was going to become the hunted. Because you can go from hero to zero real quick. He confronts Jesus and says, no, nah, you're, you're not doing that. He's telling the disciples, I've got to suffer and I have to die. And I'm going to give my life. And he said, and I'll raise from the dead. And Peter says, no, that ain't happening. Hey, man, I get your hearts in the right place. That ain't going to happen. I ain't going to let that happen. This cannot happen to you. What Peter's really saying is, hey, Jesus, let me take control of the situation. And here's how it reads. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, Matthew 16, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He explains to the disciples he must be killed on the third day, raised from life. Peter took him aside. I'm going to get to that in a minute because controlling people love to take you aside. Mm. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus lived the perfect life, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who gave his life for everyone. He's on earth and people are trying to control him, so don't be shocked when people are trying to control you. Don't be shocked when you feel like you're living the will of God and people are coming along trying to discourage you, control it. Because here's the deal. Human nature is to look out for number one. Human nature is to do what's best for us intentionally or unintentionally. Peter takes him aside. Like I said, you'll always notice that a lot of times, that sometimes, the controllers and the manipulators, young ladies in this church, and you're single, I'm about to throw some biblical truth on you. Here's the deal. Controllers like to isolate you. They like to get you away from others. You got a boyfriend who's trying to get you away from your family and away from your friends, you got a controlling boyfriend. Kick his butt to the curb. That was free today. This ain't even a relationship series. Peter pulls Jesus off to the side because he knew I can't do this in front of the other disciples. The other disciples, they're not trying to control Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. So he pulls them off to say, he took Jesus and never, Lord, it's not going to let this happen. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Jesus said, man, get behind me, Satan. We're going to get to that. That's hardcore. You call somebody Satan. Like, that's reserved for, like, your ex. You know what I mean? Get behind me, Satan. He goes on to say, you need to understand something, Peter. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. In the next verse, I didn't have verse 24 there. He says, you must deny yourself. Meaning, hey, you must put your wants and your desires all to the side. You don't get to control me for your selfish gains. I know what I'm called to do. I know that you're trying to manipulate me, and I'm throwing a line in the sand. It's not about you. It's about what God's will is for my life. 
So how do we deal with controlling people? you got to set up some boundaries with them. And if you don't set up some boundaries with them, you're going to grow to hate them. And if you grow to hate an individual, you've opened up your heart to hating people in general. And when you hate people in general, it's impossible to live the Christian life because it's all about loving God and loving people. See, it all goes together like the vicious, crazy circle. First thing we need to do, we need to understand this. We need to know what you're called to do. We need to know what you're called to do. When you know that you know that you know that you know that you know what you're called to do, somebody can't come along and manipulate you to do something else because you're secure in your calling. You're firm in your calling. You're steadfast in your calling. I feel like I've been a broken record over the last year about calling, but I'm beginning. The more I get into the Bible and the more I read the Bible and the more I try to get deep in the Bible, I begin to realize it's really not a real deep book. It's about loving God and loving people and knowing your purpose, and so much comes out of knowing your purpose. Your finances follow your purpose. Your calling follows your purpose. The problem is people can't control you when you know your purpose. I am convinced more than ever the reason we deal with so many issues on this side of heaven is we don't know our purpose. There's nothing that brings security to our life. There's nothing that brings steadfastness to our life. There's nothing that brings stability to our life like knowing our purpose. Jesus knew his purpose. Over and over and over as you read, he said, hey, I came for one purpose and one purpose only. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I didn't come for the religious. I came for the non-religious. He said, the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. Over and over and over, every time they confront Jesus, they tried to make Jesus king. They tried to put him in a position of power as king. And he's like, that's not my purpose. I know why I was born. And now I'm coming to the time where it's time for me to suffer. It's time for me to give my life. Why? Because that's my purpose. When Peter confronts him, when Peter comes up to him and says, no, 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 this can't happen. Jesus doesn't have to think about it. Jesus doesn't have to wonder if he's telling the truth. He can look at him. Why? Because he knows his purpose and says, get behind me, Satan. I know the deal. I know what I'm called to do. I came for sinners. I didn't come where people will serve me. I came where I can serve others. Jesus was incredibly clear on his purpose. He was incredibly clear on his vision for his life. He was incredibly clear on his calling. So when the controlling Peter came along, it didn't have to be a stumbling block for him. It didn't have to grow into hatred for him. It didn't have to grow into something he had to think about. It was an immediate answer. Hey, I know my purpose, and what you're telling me has nothing to do with my purpose. I'm going to suffer. It's God's calling. It's his purpose for me. But he'll raise me back up again. For those of you who are trying to control you, you need to understand something. You've got to define your calling. What is it that God has called you to do? And here's the deal. If one of you come up to me after this service and I don't know how to figure it out, I'm going to slap you across the face. <laughs> I just spent the entire month of February going through it, getting to church on Sundays. And you might know, go to actionchurch.tv and listen to the messages. I couldn't have broken it down anymore. If you aren't at least on the way to this, I'm not saying you've got to know it. But if you're not on the way to discovering your purpose, here's the deal. You don't want to discover your purpose. 
You're not willing to put in the work to discover your purpose. But let me say this about your purpose. I think for so many people, when it comes to their purpose, we think our purpose is some grandiose, change the world, do something, let's come up with the cure for cancer, and let's make sure nobody in Uganda has dirty water, and let's make sure that no kid goes to bed with no food. Sometimes your purpose is not a calling, it's a person. We need to get to the mindset. So many people can't live out their purpose because they think their purpose has to be this huge thing that impacts thousands of people. Maybe your purpose is to impact one person. You do for one what you wish you could do for a thousand. I am convinced that's the reason so many people can't discover their purpose because they don't realize maybe at this particular time in their life, their purpose is one person. It might change down the road. The Bible says he who's faithful with the little. Why is God going to give you a thousand people to take care of when you can't take care of one? I would argue, is that a move? That's the Gary baby right there. I just invented that new dance. Next time no sweats at the, y'all bust out the Gary. Listen. Your calling isn't always specific. Sometimes you're simply called to the person closest to you. I miss this a lot in my life. So busy chasing big calling that I forgot, man, I'm called to Christine. I'm called to my kids. I'm called to God. God first, Christine second, kids third. Then all the other crazy stuff I get to do that I love every minute of, that's number four in my life. But number four goes a whole lot better when I'm focused on one, two, and three. Man, we need to get our calling right. Your calling might be to lead your children well. If you have kids, by the way, that's one of your callings. At this particular time in your life, your calling might be something as simple as you're young, you just graduated high school, you're in college, and your calling is to prepare yourself for the next stage of life. There's no shame in that calling. That time of focusing on yourself will allow you to reach so many more people down the road. You're building a foundation. Hey, your calling might not be to your work, don't miss this. But it might be to a person at your work who God puts you there to witness to. You're not called to a job, but you're called to a person, and God's put you in that situation. You've got to get to the point where you understand your calling. My calling in my life at 42 years old has never been clear. And you know why it's never been clear? Because when it wasn't clear, I almost lost it all. When it wasn't clear, I allowed controlling people to come along who were putting their agenda on my life and screw up. I used to always get them and say, I know my purpose, I know my purpose. I know. And I always say, my purpose is to reach those that are far from God, and I still believe that's my purpose. But I missed out on some more important foundational things in my purpose. My purpose is to that woman right there. Here's the deal. I love all of you. She didn't always win out, she wins out. You look at her wrong, I'm blocking you. 
Like, I'm making up for all years and not. You know what I mean? It's my kids. Whatever my kids. So my, my youngest daughter has decided she wants to do cheer. Now, I don't know if you know anything about cheer, so let me enlighten you on some things real quick. I thought cheer was you showed up at middle school basketball game and you put a little outfit on and you cheered. No, they don't even cheer at, like, sporting events. Like, you have to go to this Mecca Colt building in Woodstock, and these people are crazy. Like, there's stickers on their cars, and there's... Like, and they do all this makeup, and, and then, like, you have to go to these cheer comp, and, like, I've never been to a cheer competition. What in the? Like, to have zero expectations and to go, thousands of people. And these kids are, like, five and six years old, and they got wigs on to make their hair go up here, and they got more makeup on than a stripper. Not that I hang out with a lot of strippers, but my father-in-law's told me about them. And, um, <laughs> like, it, it's just crazy. And then the parents, I'm talking about the baddest-looking dudes in the world. Like, there was one dude, and I'm stereotyping here, I get it, but this dude looked like, like kind of like me. He was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was all buff and had tribal tattoos coming down. And then he had a purple cheer shirt on, and he had his face painted on. I'm like, what is going on here? And then it's $45 to get in to go watch the cheer competition. And then they cheer, and listen, if I'm lying, I'm dying they cheer for less than two minutes. And they didn't even cheer. They danced. I don't know why it's not called dance. And then in two weeks, we have to drive to Macon. And I always want to root for my kids to win. But if she wins, then we got to drive to Florida for two minutes. But you know what? She loves it. She loves every aspect of it. And she talks to me about it and doesn't. And then I got this other kid that's in high school. And, like, I was never, and if you were in the band, that's, I was never a band person. He's in the band. And, man, band's a lot of drama. And, like, whoo, man. Like, I pick him up last night at 9 o'clock. He's like, Dad. Like, the uh, other, I don't even know what they're called. Like, the other section group or whatever came in last place and oh, they won't talk to us because they don't want to make fun of them because we came in first and this girl's sleeping with this guy who's sleeping with this other guy and I'm like what are we talking about like aren't you in high school and this is banned like I used to beat up the kids in band like I don't know how it works and it's weird to me and like I never seen my kid he's 50, fixing to be 15 years old and he loves it and he has purpose and guess what we divide and conquer now, like Tuesday night, Christine's going this way, and I'm going this way. And then two Saturdays, she's going to Macon, and I'm going to wherever it is and to watch band. And, like, it's horrible. <laughs> but guess what? You know what I realized? Them kids followed me around and supported every stupid thing I ever wanted to do. And they missed out on a lot of stuff because I can't do that because I work on Sundays, and I got festivals on this weekend. And I, They're my purpose. You don't get to come along and control anymore when you know your purpose. <laughs> I'm called to shepherd this place. I told someone the other day, they said, man, why don't you, because I'm doing this little side wrestling thing, it's like huge and it's growing. And I said, I'm not leaving this. Like, I don't feel called to wrestling. 
Like, it's like every redneck fantasy I've ever had, and I love it, and it's amazing, and, like, it's cool. And you walk out, and they chant your name, and you get to punch people and spit on them and make fun of women. Like, I know that's not proper now. They've been wrestling. It's still popular. Like, it's awesome. I'm not called to that. I'm called to you. Y'all are my cross to carry. Like, y'all are the consequence for my sin. I'm stuck with y'all for the rest of my life. When controlling people come along, you got to know what you're called to do. <laughs> Man, the problem with that is, is we're people pleasers. We're people pleasers. How many of you say you're a people pleaser? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you say you just raised your hand just to please me because you know I want you to raise your hand? You see? We're people pleasers. I'm a people pleaser, man. People want me to do this, and I'm like, oh, let's think about doing it. Or, hey, man, you ought to do this. And oh, we want to please people. And so what happens is as controlling people come along, we want to please them because we're not bad people. And all of a sudden, we got off track because we weren't focused on our purpose. Like, I'm going to be a broken record, I think, in 2019 about purpose. If you don't like that, you probably got to find another place to go. I'll help you find a church. Man. And here's the problem with people pleasing. and It's idolatry. It's idolatry. It's putting what other people want in our life ahead of what God wants for our life. God's called me to do this, but man, my husband might not like it. God's called me to do this, but my friends, they might not understand that. If God's called you to do it, do it. Oh, BTW on the spouse thing. If God's called you to do it, he'll let them know. Man, calling it clarifies it's so powerful. It lets you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. You can't come along and control me. I know what I'm called to do. <laughs> People come along and they try to control you. And you need to do this. You need to do that. You should go here. You should do this for me. You have a very, very clear plan. You know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Man. Here's, the, here's something you need to realize. You can't please everybody. We have a situation in our life right now, and man, there's a lot of opinions on it. We can't we can't please everybody. So guess what? We don't. And, and let me let me make this clear, because sometimes when we say I don't care, we take it as a, as a rebellious thing. We know our purpose in the particular situation, so we don't care about anything else. There's other people involved. It's not that we don't care about them, but at the end of the day, we don't care about them, because this particular situation is our purpose. You might have a different purpose. Cool. Awesome. We know ours. So no matter how many private messages you send or DMs you send or texts or how many passive-aggressive posts you post on Facebook, it's not going to change what we're called to do. That's the power of knowing your purpose. Is Janice Kennedy here today? Janice Kennedy? Stand up, woman. Oh, you can sit down now. I'll see you now. Janice is raising her grandbaby. So guess what Janice has done because she raised her grandbaby? She can't come to church every Sunday now. She's not serving at church anymore. Not serving with downtown Canton anymore. Not serving at the Moose Lodge anymore. And people be like, oh, Janice is just becoming a recluse. Is she becoming a recluse or is she living out her purpose? Her purpose at this particular time in her life is to raise her grandkid because if she don't do it, no one else is going to do it. She knows her purpose. And she convinced that crazy man she's with that that's her purpose too, and he's all on board. 
And she loves wrestling. <laughs> Three weeks old, came with a wrestling onesie the other day. Man, that's how we do it up in here. You can't please everybody. So if you're going to deal with controlling people, you got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know you know your purpose. Hmm. Can't. Here's the deal. I'll never forget coming to this realization as a pastor that I can't save, first of all, I can't save anyone, but I can't save everyone. I, people, I wake up almost every single morning with private message. Can you reach out to this person? Can you do this? And I'm like, no, I can't. Well, why not? Don't you? I've got my calling. It's not that I don't want to help, but, but I, 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 can't, I can't do it for everyone. You can do what you're called to do. And you don't feel guilty about it when you know what you're called to do. <laughs> I, I can't do what everyone wants, but I can love my bride, and I can love my kids, and I can love this church. And when I do those things, I can do all the other fun stuff. If it works out, and if it don't work out, it don't work out. <laughs> and here's the funny thing about a controlling person. There's one thing that every controlling person has in common. Are you ready for it? Every controlling person has a person in their life who allows them to be controlling. You can't control somebody if they don't allow you to control them. They, they, they control me. No, they don't. You allow them to control you. And one of the reasons they control you is because you don't know your purpose in life. Uh, another thing that we need to do is we need to know when someone is trying to control us. We need to know when someone is trying to control us. We've got to recognize it, and then we've got to understand that they're trying to control us. We need to be aware of what their tactics are. We need to be aware that they are trying to come along and push their agenda on our life. And in the process, they're trying to get us not to do what we're called to do, not what you and your family have decided to do, but they're trying to push their agenda on you to get you to do what they want you to do. Jesus said, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to lay down my life. God's going to raise me up. Peter stands up and says, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. Never, ever, ever, Lord, are we going to allow that happen. And Jesus immediately knew, here's somebody trying to control me. Here's somebody trying to put their will on me. You need to acknowledge when someone is trying to control you. He said, this is what God's called me to do. No, 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 you ought to go do this. <laughs> but this is what God's called me to do. There was a time, and it's probably still going to happen, but there was a time recently we thought we were real recent to losing our building because this piece of property is going to sell. And so many people were awesome. They came to me, and one person came to me and said, man, there's this incredible building in Jasper, and you all look at it. I said, I don't need to look at a building in Jasper. But it's great. I'm not called to Jasper. I'm not called to the outskirts of Canton. When the time comes for this building to go away, there's going to be another building somewhere in this vicinity that God's going to open up for us. And if he don't open up for us, we'll meet in my backyard every week. I forgot to run that by you. Put up a tent. You don't get to control me. Funny thing about that person in Jasper, they live in Jasper. And always when we start a campus in Jasper, they're not bad people. But they don't like to drive here. They're here today. They know I'm talking about them, and they know they're telling the truth. The idea of a two-minute drive is nice to them. <laughs> in this particular moment, it wasn't Peter was a bad guy, but in this particular moment, he's trying to push his agenda on Jesus. And Jesus was aware that he was trying to control him. 
Jesus was aware of what he was trying to do. I, I've got to move on. I, I can't get into this too deep. You need to know when someone's trying to control you. Be aware of what it is. Don't justify what they're doing. Don't try to explain away. Don't, they just love me. They just want what's best for me. Do they want what's best for you or do they want what's best for them? It's <laughs> good. That wasn't even in my notes. Do they want what's best for you or do they want what's best for them? Because ain't it funny what's always best for you benefits them? Number three, we need to draw a line in the sand with those trying to control us. This is where it gets hard. Because this is where you've got to stand up for yourself. And we'll stand up for everybody around us, but we won't stand up for ourselves. This is when you've got to love yourself enough to say, I will not be manipulated, I will not be controlled, and you will not push your agenda on me. I don't care if World War III breaks out as a result of it. This is what I'm called to do. I understand what you're doing, and enough is enough. Jesus got, Jesus got vicious. He looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He knew what his purpose was. He identified his and he said, get Get behind me. You don't have my best interests in mind. You have your own desires in mind, your own thoughts in mind. You think he was worried about hurting Peter's feelings? You, hey, here's the danger, because I've been enough, I've led enough people. He could have been worried about, man, if I make Peter mad and Peter leaves, I wonder who's going to leave with him. Is John going to leave with him? Because that's his brother. That's what happens in church. No one leaves, one person never leaves. Always leaving their clique. In case you didn't know that. He didn't care, though. He was so steadfast in his purpose. Then he drew a line in the sand and said, enough's enough. Don't talk to me like that. Don't discourage me like that. Don't try to change my mind. Don't try to tell me what God's will for my life is. Get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Imagine if Jesus had been codependent. Imagine if Jesus had his identity wrapped up in what Peter wanted for his life. This is what God wants me to do. Answer that phone, tell them you're in the house of God. And that they ought to be in the house of God not calling you right now. No, 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 this is not going to happen, Jesus. And she's like, well, okay. (laughs) Okay, Peter, I didn't want to upset you, man. Cool. Hey, it's cool, I'm not going to die on the cross. I'm not going to let them beat me. Hey, Peter, man, you're right. We're just going to hang out forever and tour the world, do our thing, man. We ain't got no place to lay our head. You know, man, God always provides. Man, Peter, you're right. I don't want to upset you. How many millions and millions, all all of humanity would have been affected by that decision? I don't think our decision is quite that drastic, but I think this is the scenario. When you give in to someone who's trying to control your life, how many people miss out on the the fact that you are supposed to come along and be a benefit to them and help them and help them go to the next level because of your calling. When you give in to selfish people, other people suffer who are waiting for your calling to impact their life. Want no more miracles? Hey, cool, that's cool. We'll hang out and drink tea together all day. I got you, Pete. Don't worry about it. Man, you've been by my side. I get it. Peter, you're right, man. You've been by me. Whatever you want, buddy. 
Jesus looked at him, and there was no one closer to Jesus than Peter. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Some of you need to learn that you can stand up for yourself, even with loved ones. And if it ruins the relationship, it wasn't a relationship worth saving to begin with. You don't have the mind of God in these things. You don't get to give me feedback. Get out of the picture. Let me close out with a couple of thoughts. The relationships you have are a combination of what you've allowed and what you've created. The relationships that you have are a combination of what you've allowed and what you've created. If you have someone in your life who's controlling you, you've allowed it. You've created the mindset that they get to tell you what to do with your life. Don't blame them. Look in the mirror. You created it. Second thing I want you to do, and we're going to be done. If you don't like what you have, change what you accept and what you accept. No longer allow somebody to control your life. I'm dealing with someone right now, and, and someone in their life is back drinking, and, and, and that person's saying it's their fault, and they feel all good. It ain't your fault they're back drinking. They're trying to control you by making you think it is. Quit accepting that. Quit accepting that. Know your purpose. Know someone is controlling you, and draw a line in the sand. If you don't, if you don't, you will grow to hate that controlling person in your life. You will grow to despise that controlling person in your life. You will grow to detest that person in your life. And then here's what happens. When you open yourself up to hate, you'll begin to hate all people. You'll begin to speak it into existence. Gary Lamb, king of it right here, been there, done that, got the scars to prove it. The problem is we don't hate people. The problem is we don't have boundaries with people. So we've got to identify what it is. In this case, we're talking about controlling people. So the controlling people in your life, you can get to where you have boundaries with them. We'll talk about the others in the coming weeks.